morning. I normally start these things off by saying we call this the house of God, and if we are all God's children, then welcome home. Uh, but we're not in the house of God, or maybe we are closer than you think. We'll talk about that some later. So I will say, regardless, welcome home. Let us center ourselves with a few deep breaths. Let us worship the living God. Come, heavenly comforter and spirit of truth, blowing everywhere and filling all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life. Come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and in your great goodness save us. Come, heavenly comforter and spirit of truth, blowing everywhere and filling all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life. Come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and in your great goodness save us. Come, heavenly comforter and spirit of truth, blowing everywhere and filling all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life. Come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and in your great goodness Will you please join with me in the call to worship? Come, Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the breath of life. Come, Holy Spirit, our advocate, our counselor. Come, Holy Spirit, teacher of wisdom, reminder of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, welcome, Holy Spirit, to the sanctuary of our hearts. Let's join now in our opening hymn. You won't be able to see me, but know that as we sing, I will be waving my Holy Spirit streamers. Let us sing together. Welcome you to worship on this Pentecost Sunday. You have already seen my Holy Spirit streamers. I need to add my Holy Spirit headband 
These are usually things that our children are invited to wave and to wear, but I'm going to be doing it instead today. So this is Pentecost. It's the day when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's often referred to as the birthday of the Christian church. If we were meeting in person today, we might even have a birthday cake after worship. So, you know, if you have a chance to eat some cake today, I'd say go for it. You'll be hearing a lot more about Pentecost from Jeff a little later in worship. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, how often we forget that your spirit is unencumbered by walls and routine. We rejoice that the burning fire of the spirit also makes its home in each of our hearts. We are sad that the sanctuary for the community remains shuttered, but we rejoice that you continue to take residence in the sanctuary of each of our souls. We miss celebrating together, but we welcome you into our hearts. May the solidarity we hold with one another be the indwelling of your spirit and its effects on us. Amen. Our prayers to continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news. God's spirit has been poured out upon us and we have been given new life. We are no longer scattered or divided, but gathered together to dream and to create the kingdom of God here on earth. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is our time of discovery, a special time for children and young ones in our midst. Today's a very special day in the life of the church. We call it Pentecost. That's a word that comes from another language. It just means the 50th, 5-0, because it takes place 50 days after a Jewish holiday called Passover, a holiday Jesus would have celebrated and many celebrate to this day. It was a spring festival. And we celebrate it today because on Pentecost, after Jesus had been resurrected, his followers were gathered together. And as they were together from all over the world, the Spirit of God came. And it says they recognized it as if it were a flame above everyone's head. I have here a, a candle. It's the kind you turn on with the switch. Maybe you have one of those at home rather than one that you light with a flame. Can you imagine this appearing above everyone's head at a gathering as a sign that the Spirit of God was there? It wasn't a real flame, the kind that could burn or hurt someone. It was a flame that was a sign to them that God's spirit was there. Wow. I wonder what that must have been like for them. One of the things that happened is even though people were across, were there from across the globe speaking their own languages, they were able to understand each other. I wonder what that must have been like. I wonder what it would be like if we lived in a world where people understood each other. I wonder if you've ever felt the Spirit of God near and how you knew. I wonder if you've ever wanted the Spirit of God to show up, but it didn't feel like it did. I wonder what you wonder about. Hopefully we'll have a time to share. Until then, I encourage you to draw or write or make something with clay. Create something that speaks to what you wonder about.
well, for now. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. This is the time in worship when we have been sharing with you a message from someone in the congregation. And on this Pentecost Sunday, the message comes from some of our children and youth. Uh, throughout this past week, many of them have been working on decorating a coloring page. If you can't read what it says, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit. So as you see some of their colors and you see their smiling faces, may you also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, we've come to our prayer time, and I have a confession to make. I've recorded this more times than I can count this week, tried time after time to send in files to our faithful and tireless editor, Jeff, and it just hasn't seemed to work. And maybe there's a gift in that because most of my attempts happened before the killing of George Floyd. I didn't rewrite my prayers, and at this point, I don't have it in me to do so. But there's a line in scripture that says that God will give you the words. So perhaps we'll trust in that in this moment. A number of us gathered before this service on Zoom to pray for the congregation, to share the joys and concerns, and to lift up the community in prayer. And you can always send your requests in to us. We pray throughout the week. For now, though, I invite your heart to open and you to offer the prayers that are inside you with these prompts. You may type them in or you may not have time. You can just listen along. They might be prompts for you for now. They may be prompts for you for later. Let us pray. Gracious God, on this Pentecost day, we acknowledge the fire that burns inside of us, that burns for justice. that desires that we might burn away the evils of systemic and personal racism. We pray that the blight of white supremacy would be wiped from the earth. We acknowledge the rage that burns inside us. And yet we seek a burning, a fire that ignites but does not consume nor destroys ourselves or our neighbors or our communities. And yet even while we cling to the commitment of nonviolence, let us refrain from shallow condemnations of violence and destruction. Refrain until we put in the time to understand what kind of pain it must take to lead to that kind of activity. 
let us not be so quick to correct the others in their activities and behaviors and do the hard work of refinement of our own souls, our own complicity, our own participation, or sometimes worse, lack of participation. So we pray, O oh God, through imperfect words. We pray in this time as well, this greater time of challenge for our loved ones, for our family members and friends, neighbors and coworkers, strangers, enemies, those we struggle to understand, try as we might, those we don't try hard enough to understand. We pray for the sick and the weak, the poor. We pray for the rich and the powerful. We pray for all who hurt and all who have the capacity to heal. We call down by the power of Christ, your healing and transforming presence and power. Give us the courage to listen to other voices and to give voice to the yearnings of our own hearts and tether us always to Jesus. We ground our prayers now in the prayer he taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Feeling you love, what are you going to do?
today is from the book of Acts, and it's a story about the Holy Spirit coming to lots of people. So it felt wrong to read it all by myself. So I've included some help to read the scripture today, and I found a child to wear the Holy Spirit headband. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So Go this ahead. is a reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia. Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, residents of Crete and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. People of Judea! And all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show the portents in the heaven above, and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bethany and Ben and Cammie. That was well executed, well read, lots of strange words. Uh, yeah, I think we're, I know I'm just grateful that you bring us into the, to your home sometimes because it's, it just seems to be full of a lot of joy and we've definitely needed that this week, have we not? Uh, it was Friday evening, just this past Friday, I was washing dishes and I have my tablet setting off to the side and uh, Theo came downstairs he in his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle jammies with wet hair and had just brushed his teeth and I was catching up on the news uh, from the news hour and he saw the images that many of you have seen. He saw the fires burning, he saw the guardsmen with their guns and he saw people breaking things and uh, I said, you know, do you understand what this is about? And he said, yeah, is this, is this about the coronavirus? And I said, well, no, this, this one, this isn't about the coronavirus. You remember how I told you when things happen in our country that we don't like and we want people to pay attention to it, like our leaders and other people? Uh, he said, yeah, like a protest. And I said, yeah, like a protest. They've actually been to two with us. Uh, in their short lives. I said, well, there was a man who was killed by the police and nobody thinks he deserved to die. Uh, and there are a lot of people who were very angry about that. And uh, we discussed it a little more after that. And I finished cleaning the dishes and we read our books. And I'll get back to a little bit of what we talked about later. What has happened this week makes the reading of our text to me seem so surreal because this is Pentecost, right? This is, as Bethany said earlier, this is Pentecost Sunday, the birth of Christianity. And the one thing that at least I take so much pride in as a Christian is how this faith movement began. It began as a diverse, inclusive movement. Uh, people of all different colors and different backgrounds are there in Jerusalem to celebrate a festival uh, and suddenly you have the tongues of fire and the wind and all that and but how did these people all get there to begin with <laughs> you know what how did they make all this work is it 2000 years ago I can imagine that there were people there that day uh, who looked around and could not have been any happier by the diversity they saw, the all the different cultures coming together, probably brought them a lot of joy. I can also imagine that there were some people in the crowd who maybe had a heightened sense of awareness, you might say. You know, the, the parent who's at an unfamiliar place or with people they don't recognize who kind of looks around a little more aware of what's going on because, you know, there are Parthians there, for goodness sake, and there are Cretans there and Arabs and Libyans and Asians and Romans. And, you know, how are they all going to get along? How are we going to get along with each other? Uh, I don't really know enough about them to fully trust them, being this close to them. But somehow they made this work. And they were even worshiping the same God. They were even there for the same festival. Have you been to other churches before? 
you know, like you, you, you go to the, maybe the people there said this kinds of things that we say when we go visit other churches. Maybe you're on vacation and you're an overachiever and you go check out a different sort of church than you're used to. And, you, you know, you say, oh, the Parthians, you know, they're out there with their rap music and their heavy metal. And I just can't take them seriously, really, you know, and. Or there's the, you know, the Cretans. Oh, I can't worship with Cretans. I mean, come on. They're always with their classical music. And even if they listen to music, they just got NPR all the time, talk radio. They're self-righteous, think they know everything. And I don't want to worship with them. <laughs> or the Romans. We can't worship with the Romans. I mean, they're the ones who crucified the guy. I mean, seriously can't worship with them yet they're all there <laughs> they're all there and God is speaking to them in each of their own language I had a friend come visit our church it was funny because he he looked at our bulletin he said uh, I don't really understand what any of this is and I said well, well what do you mean he said well like this word that that's an introit. What's an introit? It's kind of like an introduction through music. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. We have other people come tell me this. You know, they say, oh, you know, we were at a church where the 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 preacher was in skinny jeans and and they're just so open. I'm sure they bring in a lot of young people. They really appeal to young people. And I, as someone who has recently uh, become fallen in love with skinny jeans. Uh, that makes me happy, but it also makes me wonder, is that all it really takes? <laughs> I was late to that party, I guess. It's funny, all the little ways that we judge other people of our own faith, even. And how we might judge people who aren't even a part of our faith or our community. It doesn't really matter, I guess. You can't really go to any other churches right now anyway. But if you understood Pentecost the way that the people there did, you know that's not totally true. Because, you see, you had the fire over their heads, right? The tongues of fire. You know, if you were at the temple a couple thousand years ago in Jerusalem for one of these festivals, where would you expect to find fire? You would expect to find fire in the temple itself on the altar, this sort of table where you would bring your grain and animal sacrifices. The fire was the image of God. It was the very presence of God. And that made sense to the people there. It was part of their literature. The burning bush that spoke to Moses, it was God's voice speaking from this burning bush. The, the tabernacle, these people were, were wandering in the desert and they had this thing called a tabernacle. It's like a mobile temple that they took with them. And there was a pillar of fire that was said to be there with them. And it watched over them and gave them comfort and kept them warm. It was the presence of God. Or the, instead of just the fire, it's the wind that moves through your midst in this uh, recollection of Luke. The wind would clearly make sense to the people there because it also is a part of their literature. It was the same wind that was blown into the nostrils of Adam in the creation poem that gave him life and a soul. It was the wind that the Old Testament poets and prophets spoke of when they also talked about the presence of God. And this kind of falls in a chronological order that makes sense. We think this is Luke who's writing this, but he's actually writing it after church leaders like Peter and Paul have created this uh, phrasing of the temple of God based on their reality and what has happened in this faith movement. If you were to go back in Luke's writings to his gospel work, you would uh, see a few weeks, several weeks before this, as we recounted in the Easter week, Jesus is there at 
this same temple in Jerusalem before a different festival. And he looks at that temple and he says to the people, you know, you can tear this temple down and I'll build it again. I'll rebuild it in three days. And there are people there who laugh at him and who think that's ridiculous and crazy. And they, some people are even outraged by this, insulted. And they want to hurt him for this. And it was just one chapter before this writing that we read today, this Pentecost writing, that Luke has Jesus and his friends, the disciples, together for one final conversation when they ask him, Lord, when are you going to uh, bring back the kingdom? When will the kingdom come? We we are taught to pray that. We've prayed it here in this worship service as we do most every other. Lord God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, when is that going to happen? Luke tells this story of what happened with the fire over the heads and the wind blowing. Because he's, he's telling us it happens now. This is when the kingdom has come. This is when it has been reinstituted. Now. Now, I think Luke might forgive us for not fully understanding that. I mean, this is California in the year 2020. Uh, Luke might understand that 2020 has been a hard year for us. <laughs> and, but it's something that would have made sense to all the people there. Fire? Oh, that's... God, right? Strong wind, also God. But the fire is over our heads. It's not on the altar. I think what's happening here is the age of grain and animal sacrifice is over. If you've ever wondered why we don't do that, as many people do, this is part of the reason. It goes back a couple thousand years to the first Pentecost, to the birthday of the church. You see, the animals and the grains aren't the sacrifice anymore. We are. You are and I am. Our time, our energy, our embarrassment, our finances, our money, our, our lives are the sacrifice. We are the sacrifice now. That language gets used later on and other works, perhaps by Luke, that we are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. I kind of wish we would stop demystifying some of this. There are people who hears that story and will say, okay, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. The, the whole thing about Jesus and the temple and coming down, you know, that was meant as an illustration. That wasn't really meant as something to be taken in any more than that. He used parables and that kind of, that's really what that is. But the temple is not only a spiritual thing. It is a physical thing. You can touch it. You can see it. You can smell it. You can hear it. You can even taste it, although that's kind of disgusting if you ask me. Because what has happened as a result of Pentecost is we have come to learn that the temple, the place where the Spirit of God lives, is here. It's in our souls. It's in our heart. That is where the Spirit of God lives. And that's fun. <laughs> that's good news. It's good news because it means you get to speak on God's behalf. You get to prophesy. You get to dream dreams and you get to have visions. But, uh, unfortunately, so does everyone else. And I don't think I'm breaking any news here. We don't always like other people's dreams and other people's visions. I mean, those Parthians, I mean, I don't want to deal with their dreams and they have weird dreams and weird visions that I don't really want to be a part of. Uh, the Cretans, I don't really want to be a part of their dreams and their visions. They can have their dreams and their visions and 
you know, I've I've heard this kind of stuff before, preacher, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I even agree with you that we're all children of God, and there's a place for the Spirit to reside in all of us. But I mean, how far are we supposed to take this? Uh, if I mean, they can come to our church, they can be a part of our life, they can even take communion with us, but. We're not going to let them teach and preach, are we? I don't want to hear their dreams. I, Unfortunately, I have friends who have to deal with this. Uh, friends of mine, part of the LGBTQ community, who find churches, get invited, become a part of a worshiping community. Children, Their children have become friends with other people in their children's ministry or youth group. And so they say, you know, I would love to help. Can I teach Sunday school? Well, they're told, <laughs> they're told, well, I'm sorry. You know, we, we love having you here. We love your family, but we can't let you teach. Why? Well, because you're gay. Can you imagine? We still do this. And may God forgive us if our church is ever guilty of such a thing. I have a, a good example of this, uh, because sometimes it's not just about who is offering that message. It's also what that message is that we don't like. It Maybe it's perhaps it's okay for you to be part of our community. I can accept that you are a child of God. I can accept that you are given uh, full equality with me. But really, I would rather if you just had my dreams and my vision. I was managing a camp and uh, several camps. And one of our camps, we had a, a young lady preaching. And she I just thought she was dynamite. I thought she was great. And I'd come in for a site visit. And... I was checking in with, uh, you know, all the different trip leaders and our staff and always evaluating, you know, how things are going. And I don't recall if it was the pastor, youth pastor of this particular church, uh, kind of irrelevant what their title was. Uh, they were the trip leader. And they said, you know, everything's great. We love it. Oh, she's good preaching. The food's good. All that yada, yada, yada. And then he said, I, I just wish that she would push the gospel more during worship. Now, you may not know, but that's kind of insider coded language. What they're looking for is more of what might be described as a Billy Graham type experience. They want her to talk about Jesus's sacrifice on the cross and how that should compel us to place our faith in Christ and convert to Christianity and I told him I, I can't ask her to do that. Uh, and there were a number of reasons why. But I think most practically, I said, I just can't imagine her being any good at that. <laughs> I don't think that, and maybe I was selling her short on this. I come to find out that she wouldn't have wanted to be a part of it. But, uh, and then, you know, this is someone, I, I would have been surprised if she would have ever heard a sermon like that before. <laughs> So yeah, I could coach this person and kind of give them tips and encourage them on how to do it, but it would just be awkward and would probably do more harm than good for what you were trying to accomplish. Uh, and beside that, everyone else had loved her messages. And it was because they were so compelling, they were so authentic. I think because... I think they touched people because they were born out of her suffering because she had suffered and it connected with people and it moved them. And I don't know about you, but when I think about sanctuaries, I think about these beautiful places organized, you know, Jesus is meticulously cleaning the place. Uh, you know, Gwen, Sharon, Lauren, you know, they're, putting out these beautiful bouquets of flowers. Everything's organized. There's the right amount of pencils and pens and envelopes and hymnals. And 
But I don't know about you, my sanctuary in here, my sanctuary doesn't look like that. The carpet in my sanctuary looks pretty worn out. <laughs> my carpet, my carpet has had a lot of people walking and running all over it. My pews, the places where people sit in my church, they, they're a little scuffed up. They're a little tattered. My sanctuary looks a little like this. It looks a little more broken. And maybe you can empathize with that. Uh, maybe you look inside your own heart into the sanctuary inside your soul. And you even look up to the stage and you see the, the, the cross. And it's fallen to the ground. It's not even displayed prominently anymore. And that is a representation of how your faith has suffered over the years. Maybe you see the coffee stains and the other defects of your sanctuary. And you remember other people put that there. Other people scratch those things out of the wood and loosen the bolts. Other people mess with the sound system. <laughs> and, you know, it was an accident. They didn't mean to spill coffee there. They didn't mean to have a stain there. They didn't mean to hurt you. But it happened, and it hurts. Or maybe your sanctuary looks even worse. Maybe somebody knew exactly what they were doing. Your heart, your sanctuary was vandalized by someone. They knew what you stood for. They knew what your values were. They had heard the singing in your sanctuary. They had seen what comes out of there, and they did not like it. And so they intentionally hurt you. And if that's the case, I am very sorry. I'm so sorry. It will take time to renovate that, to clean it up. It will take time and it will take investment and it will take other people, trusted people. And if anyone should know that, it should be us. Because when you go down Tiburon Boulevard and you reach 240, you see our building being worked on by people we trust. Not just one, but several people putting in new windows, banging new shingles. It's going to take time. And that's the beauty of Pentecost, quite frankly, that regardless of what your sanctuary looks like, regardless of what resides inside of it, the Spirit of God dwells. The Spirit of God lives there. The fire burns, the wind blows, and the sanctuary in your heart is real. And I don't know about you, but isn't there a certain level of reverence when you step into a house of worship? You know you're somewhere special. And what if, what if we started to live in such a way as to acknowledge the reverence that we all have this sanctuary in our soul. What if we all lived with that reverence? Would George Floyd's knee, would George Floyd's neck still be crushed under our knee? Would Ahmaud Arbery still be considered a threat just because he's jogging through our neighborhood? Would we threaten Jonathan Cooper if we had the same level of reverence for him, even when he's reminding us to leash our dog? Maybe you saw the events of this past week and it broke your heart. It frustrated you. I... And maybe it even brought out anger in you. 
it potentially even compelled you to want to commit acts of violence. I talked to Theo a little bit about the difference between protesting and rioting. I used some of the words of Dr. King when he said, you know, riots are the language of the unheard. When people are desperate, feel like there's no hope, sometimes this happens. And there's some irony to that, because on the day that Dr. King was assassinated, our country looked much as it did over the weekend. Riots in the cities on fire. With the exception of one city, Indianapolis, Indiana, where Robert Kennedy was uh, preparing a speech, he was campaigning for president, and he wanted to be the one to tell everyone the news. I'm going to use a lot of his words because they are much the same experience that I have. When you saw those events, maybe it did move you towards hatred and lack of trust at the injustices that you saw. I know that feeling as well, because I too lost a family member the first day of my second semester in college when my father was killed. It's not easy to recognize the sanctuary in the hearts of our perpetrators and the hearts of our aggressors. But we must. We must live with love and compassion and wisdom and a longing for justice of those who suffer. Kennedy recited a poem from his favorite poet, uh, Aeschylus. It reads, Even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until, in our own despair, against our will, comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. The Spirit of God dwells in your sanctuary, in your heart. That may be weird for you to acknowledge. Maybe you've kept the presence of God up here in your mind. Maybe you have tried to keep the presence of God in the church building. Maybe you've tried to keep the presence of God around your dinner table where you routinely say grace. Maybe it's awkward and weird to consider that God's presence is inside of you always. And what would that mean? To let the Holy Spirit shine through in new ways. In ways that may seem strange to others. What would that mean? What will that look like for you? By God's grace, may we find out. Amen.
There is so much happening in the life of this beloved community, as you already know. Forgive me if I do a little more reading than I typically do, but I want to make sure I get it right and get it all in. As you have probably heard by now, the governor last week issued new guidelines on the reopening of the physical spaces of houses of worship and places of religious and cultural ceremonies. Our county guidelines have not yet changed. And so right now we are reviewing thoroughly the plan and the guidelines laid out by the governor in doing what it would take to become compliant with them in a situation of reopening. It's quite a lot, as you can imagine, the development of written plans, the development of training protocols, acquiring of certain supplies, marking the physical space. It goes on and on. It takes a lot to try to keep us safe. So we're working toward that so that when local guidelines change and when the elders deem it to be appropriate, we'll be able to find some way to gather in a way that is nurturing and faithful, but also responsible and safe. Just what that will look like and when that will come, we don't know but we'll do our best to be ready and to be wise when we have the chance. Part of what we're doing as a, as a piece of that process is issuing an electronic survey. It's a way of getting some feedback from you where you can tell us what you would come to were you given the option. What would be most meaningful to you and of most interest? What concerns you might have? That has gone out in the e-news called Sundays and More. Anybody for whom we have an email address gets that email every week, unless you've opted out or changed your email address. So if you don't see that in your inbox, check your spam folder and let us know if it's not there and you would like to receive that update. You just send an email to secretary at wpctiburon.org and request to be added to that list if you're not already there. That's where you can find so much information. The website, of course, is another fantastic resource for you. So please check the homepage regularly for updates and opportunities. I know it's hard to be a part, to not be able to gather as one full worshiping body. We simply can't do so until it's appropriate to do so. If and when smaller group gatherings become possible, we will certainly find ways to do that creatively and safely. But in the meantime, remember the church has not closed. The church has adapted and the church will continue to adapt. So until we can be that one worshiping body again, remember you can still be the church, take care of one another, take care of yourselves and take care of the wider community. A few events for this week to highlight. Again, there are more details in the Sundays and more and on the website, but just to give you a sprinkling of the offerings. We'll be continuing to offer some social gatherings. We're playfully calling them kind of happy hours. Look for opportunities that might work for you. There'll be a Bible study this week on Tuesday. Also Tuesday, our weekly film discussion group. There'll be an empty nest workshop There'll be a Sunday School Live opportunity for our younger children on Wednesday. Film, I mentioned the film group already. The Men's Connection meets Friday mornings. If you need Zoom links for any of these, just contact us or check your e-news. Couple things about today. At the end of the service, rather than cutting the video off immediately, we're gonna let it linger for a little bit. So it's not so abrupt abrupt and you can sign off to one another, wish each other well, offer prayers and blessings. Also, Bethany is hosting a virtual coffee hour afterwards. The E! News uh, contained the link for that. You can scramble and quickly write me now and I could send it to you. If you want to gather for a virtual coffee hour and check in with your fellow congregants, that's a wonderful time to do so. And lastly, and I know this has been a lot, I simply want to thank those of you who have been so generous and I know not everyone is in a position to be generous right now, monetarily. We're all in a position to be generous, of course. But I want to thank those of you who've made financial contributions, either fulfilling your pledge or giving above and beyond 
the church obviously lives off of your support, and so we're grateful. If you're in a position to give, you can give by sending a check to the church, by giving online, there are details for that on the website, of course, and you can always contact us if you have any questions. We're so grateful for your support. It's because of you that we're able to do God's work in this way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And now we continue worship with our closing hymn. to the next. May you dream dreams, may you see visions, may you even prophesy by the Spirit of God that resides in the sanctuary of your heart. Amen.